Hi, I'm Esther Yunji Kang. And I'm Suzy An. Welcome to Shoes Off, a Sexy Asians podcast. Our sexy Asian guest today is full of sunshine. You might know comedian Atsuko Akatsuka for her signature bowl cut and social media videos of her dancing with her grandma. She originated the Drop Challenge on TikTok, which swept the world, really. Here she is explaining it to Stephen Colbert. It's to this song partitioned by Beyonce, and there's this beautiful beat drop that happens over and over. It just goes, woo, woo. That song just always stuck with me throughout the years. And uh, I said, God, wouldn't it be funny if, like, every time the beat dropped, your body did too? So I just started doing it around Little Tokyo of Los Angeles with my grandma. And Atsuko also has a new comedy special out on HBO called The Intruder. My family raised me on mind tricks. Yeah, and if you're an immigrant or children of immigrants, you might be able to relate, right? Yeah, because we love our families, right? Yeah, they're just so seemingly generous. They're always like, eat, right? Eat, please, eat. And then the next time they see you, they call you fat. Susie, before we get to that, are you ready for some bold sexual discourse? Uh, Oh, no. God. Okay, okay, let's explain what, what, what we're talking about here. I have a, you know, big family group chat. This is an extended family. A lot of elderly Koreans are on this. <laughs> and um, someone dropped a Korean article in mm. there about our podcast. Mm-hmm. So basically, it's something that has been translated into Korean and then retranslated <laughs> into English, which you found that one, Esther. Um, yeah. Tell us what the very first sentence of the article yeah. says about the podcast. It says, a podcast hosted by three Korean women is making headlines as they are breaking stereotypes about Asia through bold sexual <laughs> discourse. Oh, no, I no, can't no, no, even no. say, listen, <laughs> I, d- we are not having bold sexual discourse here on this podcast. And I have yet to send this link to my parents because this is not what Mm-mm. we're doing. Mm-mm. And you know what? You have to understand something about my parents. I grew up in a household where there was a big abstinence poster in the kitchen, okay? That's right. And it gets problematic in that case. Yes, absolutely. I mean, we, yeah, I guess we can get bold sometimes. Yeah. And we do have discourse, yes, right? Yes, all so, fair. Yes, but we do not get sexual. No, not at all. I mean, we are giving our Asian guests the opportunity to redefine the word sexy for themselves. That is what we're doing. I think we're getting really, really defensive here about our (laughs) podcast. But anyway, today, Atsuko Okatsuka tells us about when she started coming into her own. And she actually also talks about things getting lost in translation (laughs) between her and her dad. And she tells us about her experience being undocumented in America and her love for her mom and grandma. That's coming up after the break. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. So our sexy Asian guest today is living proof that you can be totally sexy while rocking a bowl cut and dropping your booty all the way down to the floor in front of your grandma. Atsuko Katsuka is a breath of fresh air, and we love how she talks about her life and how she manages to find humor even in dark moments. My grandma can't eat gluten anymore, and my mom, on the other hand, actually has schizophrenia. 
which means she hears voices a lot and she hallucinates all the time and it sucks. It freaking sucks. But uh, thank God we just checked and my mom, she can still eat bread. She can. You can watch her new comedy special, The Intruder, on HBO and she's on tour now. She's also the first guest to actually be in studio with us. Yay! Atsuko Katsuka, welcome to Shoes Off, a sexy Asians podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Oh my gosh. And what is wild that Ryan, my husband, pointed out is we all have our shoes on. Yeah. We are at a studio. Yeah, we're not at home. Yeah. Yeah, it's right. not owned by an Asian person, so that's you know that's the deal. That's right. the problem. There. Yes, it's it's the idea of it. <laughs> exactly. Yes. exactly, it's so cool. But we are sexy. Yes, that's, you this definitely is are. Very true. <laughs> when did you first realize or consider yourself sexy? Wow. Yeah, such a scary question because it can get real. You know, yeah. it gets mm-hmm. real, real. And mm-hmm. I'm not. I want everyone to feel sexy, but it takes so much support, so much mm-hmm. self assurance. So much feeling confident, like that's so hard. Even just like I wake up at like 80% every day, you know? So to get that full 100, that extra 20%, you need like a supportive husband. Maybe you get a dog that only tells you, I love you, you know? <laughs> you know, you need all these things to fulfill you. I didn't really feel super sexy until just like I feel like the last few years. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. What do you think it was about the last few years that, you know, you finally felt that way? Yeah, well, you know, I mentioned my super supportive husband. Mm-hmm. He really allowed me to, like, be me in a time where I was trying to figure out what that even means. I've been doing stand-up comedy for 13 years, but they say it takes, like, 10 years, really, for you to really find your voice. And that might be like, what, what are you talking about? Like, yeah. don't you know what your voice is? Like, you just talk and that's your voice, and it's like... No, like your perspective, you know. Sometimes you realize, I've been trying to sound like someone else, you know, because that's who the society accepted. So maybe I am so-and-so, but it's like every one of us is so completely different. You know, all of those things takes a while, including feeling sexy. It's finding your voice, I think, is when you can start feeling sexy. And so, Mm. yeah. You're appearing in a fashion spread in the New York Times Tea Magazine. Right. Along with one of your comedy heroes, Margaret Cho. What was that like just to appear in a magazine like that? Well, I love Margaret and I love fashion. Mm. It's two things I really love. (laughs) And I think she's also very exemplary of fashion. In a lot of her specials, she wore things that was very daring. And it's really cool because sometimes she gets really physical and she's doing wild things, you know, with her body while in a gown and is doing stand-up comedy. And she's the first stand-up comedian I'd ever seen. And so the magazine spread is so special because it's a new thing they're doing where an artist names their heir. A H E I R. She named you. She named right. you. Yeah, like yeah. the heir that to is... her throne kind wow. of thing. The next person up. A couple of ways that is true. You know, she's the first Asian American female yeah. stand up to have an HBO special, and I'm the second, mm-hmm. you know, 22 years later. And so, if somehow me being the second makes it easier for the third, that's awesome. Asuka, people have asked you about your haircut over social media, and you've said on TikTok, you, you like it because 
bowls are genderless and universal. Mm-hmm. Um, is there any concern at this point if you ever decide to change up your hairstyle, people will not recognize you? Like you always have to be Atsuko Katsuko <laughs> with a bowl cut. Yeah, because it's on like a t-shirt now. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm like, oh, well, I have to let the t-shirts at least all sell, sell out. <laughs> Right before I can do anything else with my hair, <laughs> I think you know I really love looking to like musicians mm. for different eras in their career. Oh, you know, yeah. like Taylor Swift, I think started off country and then she yes. had like yeah. her pop era, and I think she's kind of back to country right now. Or when Justin Timberlake, you know, was like, "Am I black?" and then. <laughs> You know, and then he was like, no, I'm a man of the woods. I think that's that's exactly, I think, isn't that what the album is called? Isn't it called, like, Woods or Man of the Woods? He's like, no, I, I like, I camp and stuff. That's that's my people. Oh, my God. So he's wearing, like, a flannel, right, and embracing himself. Different okay, eras, okay. right? Before that, of course, in sync. But I do picture an era for me where I have a perm <laughs> as, like, an homage to... My elders, yes. you know, but not like not when I'm like 70 or 60. My mom and grandma both have perms, but I think I can do it like in my even my next era. You know what okay. I mean? Something like okay. that. Yeah. So you're a comedian. And of course, people are going to laugh at your videos of you dancing with your grandma or the drop challenge where you suddenly get low to Beyonce's partition. But also legit, you have some hot moves. Oh, thank you. Tell us about your dancing. Like, where did all of that come from? Well, my grandma put me in, like, ballet when I was a kid and stuff. She put me in a lot of classes to sort of be like, don't look at family, the family traumas. (laughs) (laughs) You know, if we keep her busy, maybe she doesn't, she won't realize that divorce happened or whatever. (laughs) I I mean, that's true, though. You know, piano lessons, Mm. all of that. Is it to perfect you? Maybe. But for my family, it was to just be like, look over there. Don't look over here. And so I do have some, like, a dance background, but I'm sort of a physical comedian, which I wouldn't have ever said even maybe, like, two years ago. But I realize I perform a lot, you know, just with my eyes sometimes. When I'm doing certain jokes, mm-hmm. my body's, like, really stiff. I'm, I'm trying to show that I'm, like, feeling awkward in the story. You know, it's a lot of how I used to communicate as a kid and how I learned English. My first comedians I ever saw were physical comedians, mm. like Lucille Ball, yeah. Buster Keaton, Charlie mm-hmm. Chaplin, because I didn't need to know English to understand yeah. them. You know, physical comedy is universal. Mm. And I learned English by watching Scooby-Doo. And when I say that, some people are like, oh, yeah. my God, it makes yeah. sense now. Because <laughs> I make weird noises with my mouth, you know, and I'm like, you know, and I do that. And uh, it's how I communicate. I mean, it's so interesting that you say that, like, you know, your your grandma kind of put you in those dance classes as a distraction in a way. I mean, oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because she moved you and your mom to the U.S. when you were 10. Uh, you thought you were going on vacation, but then ended up overstaying the visa and then being undocumented for, for seven years. Why did your grandma move y'all to the U.S. in the first place? I asked her this again recently. We were doing a shoot. And they started talking about this part in our Mm. lives. And I was like, yeah, so grandma, like, I've asked this before, but why did you not tell me, you know, or why did you move us? Well, she told me about why she didn't tell me. She just said, well, I just thought you were a kid. Mm. And 
you wouldn't go if I told you the truth. Mm. I said, okay, yeah, that's, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> You're right, I wouldn't have gone. So touche, I guess. <laughs> you got me here because you lied. Um, and then why we came, I think it's a lot of reasons. You know, my mom's mental health wasn't doing great in mm. Japan. And they were both pretty lonely. They're Taiwanese, they're not Japanese. And, you know, Japanese culture can be very, like, xenophobic, mm. you know. And there were also women in Japan, you know, and it was just a lot. And yeah. my mom got sort of really down and even suicidal at one oh, point. Wow. So I think my grandma was just like, oh, I have a son in Los Angeles. I think you're supposed to go to America for <laughs> all things to get better. <laughs> I think that's sort of how I mm. see why we moved mm. here. You know, you've said that you didn't get a chance to really say goodbye, like a real goodbye to your dad when you left Japan. What does that do to a 10-year-old? It took me a while to figure out. Mm. I'm starting to talk about my dad, which, you know, with my special and my stand-up and before that, you would never even think I have a dad because mm. I never mention him. So people start filling in holes. It's so interesting. Some people thought maybe... He was a bad dad, I bet. You know, he left your mom. He probably was like a cheater, like, you know. And I'm like, oh, my God, no, I need to start talking <laughs> yeah, about him. Because he's actually, I'm very close with him. He's a very sweet person. Mm. I sometimes do think about what would happen if he had full custody of me. Because my mom has the mental illness yeah. and my grandma had to raise me. And so as an adult, I think about it and it's like, gosh, yeah, that's where a lot of like, it's part of a lot of where my trauma comes from. That separation, not being able to see him for so long, yeah. and then wanting to assimilate into American culture, learning English so intensely that you forget your own language of yeah. Japanese. And then so when you do see your dad after <laughs> I got my green card and was able to see him mm -hmm. and was able to leave the United States, it was sad that we couldn't catch up because my Japanese sucks. It's like this constant like shame and guilt and wanting to do things over. You've written about that time of, of reconnecting with him in Bali where he lives and where he's retired and how it was a little awkward at first and that essay is really beautiful to read. What's your relationship with him now? We're close. We chat online mostly because phone calls are hard, mm -hmm. you know, just because, again, I'm lacking in the area of Japanese. <laughs> so you type in English and he writes back in Japanese? or Yeah, I type to him in English and then sometimes I'll have time to Google Translate mm -hmm. if I want him to, if it's more complex thoughts and hopefully the Google Translate is correct right. with the Japanese. And he'll write in English and Japanese okay. too. And so that's that's how we keep up. But, you know, the pandemic sort of made it difficult for us to see each other too for yeah. an extra couple of years. So... He's someone that, you know, there's a little bit of a hole in my heart always because of that, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. What does he think about uh, your career and, and your life right now? He's stoked. I mean, it's mm -hmm. hard for him to even see because he's so far away. He lives in Bali now. But there was like a Japanese article written about me. No. So I like Ryan screenshotted it and I sent it to him. <laughs> he's never seen me do stand up. Yeah. We just live so far apart from each other. And he doesn't get HBO in Bali. So, <laughs> so yeah, we were able to, I was able to give him the screenshot. And, um, and I was like, 
A, this is uh, something written about me, and B, can you tell me what it says? You know, <laughs> and, and he said he was very proud of me, so that's Aww. cool. Yeah. So going back to the time when you had first arrived and you were undocumented, and that was for seven years, like, not that you speak for all undocumented people, but having experienced those years, what's one thing that you wish people knew about the experience of being undocumented? I truly felt like I was an American. Mm. I think we are Americans without papers because you're talking like one, you're eating yeah. like one, you're, you have friends, and you're functioning for the most part. You can do a lot of things without papers, and I don't think people know that. You know, you can go to school, public school. Yeah. Um, that's how I was going to school, you know, and... I think with like the Dreamer Act and stuff mm-hmm. like that, people were able to drive and work and and that we pay taxes too. Yeah. You know? We all go to Disneyland too. It's <laughs> <laughs> true. <laughs> well, when you first arrived, people had a hard time with your name. Um mm-hmm. and a teacher suggested you go by Stacy. Mm-hmm. So that teacher was also Japanese? Yeah. It's like what what's up with that? First of all, <laughs> When did you decide to let go of Stacy? I mean, actually, like pretty soon after, maybe like one semester. Oh, in. Okay. oh okay. Yeah, just because I was like, well, it's not really sticking <laughs> for other people, too. Mm. I could see them sort of, you know, having a hard time with it, too. <laughs> <laughs> and I think we know what's up with that. It's like. Anytime I meet Japanese Americans and their grandparents were interned, I'm like, oh, Say no more. I understand. Yeah. Let me guess. They have an English name. They're really into baseball. <laughs> they don't speak an ounce of Japanese anymore. You know what I mean? Stuff like that. You just really want to fit in. Yeah. When I first came to the States, you know, I really wanted to befriend Asian Americans in high school. Mm. And uh, they were the first people to tell me, no, you can't hang out with us. Because oh. I looked very fresh off the plane, you know. Oh. I had like a Hello Kitty top, Hello Kitty bottom, <laughs> wear bright red shoes, pink polka dotted laces, you know, just like, hi, I'm Japanese. You know, like with my lunch smelling like dumplings. I was like, hey, you're my friends. They're like, no, 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 please don't. I was like, what? They're like, please don't. No, we, we just stopped getting bullied, you know. Oh. So like, I get it. It's like that. Yeah. That's why my teacher, my Japanese American teacher, she was a few generations yeah. in too, and now I know that means her parents at least were interned, you know, and yeah. so there she was seeing me probably having a hard time and people having a hard time with Otsuko, yeah. saying Otsuko. And so it was her trying to help, I think, mm-hmm. but be like, you know, I looked it up. Stacy means the same thing as Otsuko. <laughs> um, so she did check. It's not like it. she just really? closed her eyes and was like, ah, oh, and pointed at a name. Oh, okay. Stacy. Yeah. So she did do some research. What does Otsuko mean? It means gentle and kind. Oh. Yeah. And I guess that's what Stacy means, too. Okay. Who would have thought? <laughs> I'm learning something today. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You mentioned um, being Taiwanese, Japanese, but also just being thrust into American culture. Like, how did you process that identity growing up? Yeah. 
So I wasn't really in tune with my Taiwanese side until I moved here oh. because we moved in with my Taiwanese uncle oh, yeah. and then there was my Taiwanese aunt and then they suddenly were taking us to a Taiwanese church. Mm. So I was learning English and Mandarin at the same time. Oh. Yeah, because in Japan, even though my mom and grandma were Taiwanese, they were speaking Japanese oh, to wow. fit in and everything. So I was learning two cultures at the same mm-hmm. time here. Wow. There was a lot. Sometimes I look back, of course my Japanese sucks now. You know what I mean? Like my Mandarin is way better than my Japanese, for example. And you attended University of California, Riverside, briefly. Wow. Yeah. What what are you saying about (laughs) No, I'm like, you dug deep. I'm like, oh. (laughs) What were you you studying? Guess. Oh, Lord. I'm going to guess. I'm going to guess psychology. Yeah, 100%. Because it's such a general basic thought to be like, uh, uh, what do you want to do with your life? Hurry! You have you, you, the, the application is right here on the computer. You must click submit now. What do you want? Uh, uh I, I like people. Okay, psychology. <laughs> well, you dropped out of college, but you also taught college. Yeah, I dropped out of UC, but then I went to community college after that. And, and did you finish there? I finished psychology. Okay, <laughs> you I, finished I know, psychology. Yeah, I, I finished. I finished psychology. I know people now. <laughs> I know everything. People and minds. And then I went to art school to get my master's. We found you on uh, ratemyprofessor.com. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that's right, because I taught community college in cinema because, long story. <laughs> <laughs> I love that I was reading the reviews, and someone called you Corky, and they spelled it C-O-R-K-Y. <laughs> Look, I didn't teach them spelling. <laughs> And most of the raters really enjoy the class. Um, were Except you t- for a few, right? Yeah, I've read I, I those. saw one bad rating, but yeah. you know who cares? Were you trying your comedy on them during during lectures? I wasn't a dry professor. I was funny <laughs> when I want when I could be. I think I was a little bit trying my jokes a little bit. <laughs> I was a bad teacher. I no, was like it really sounds bad. like it was what, bad. what do you think? You were a bad teacher. Well, because at the same time, I was still doing comedy. And so I was like, no, comedy's priority. If I have a <laughs> comedy show or like a comedy shoot or something pertaining to comedy, I'm going to get a substitute for my class. Oh. And I would just leave. And I, and then I didn't really get substitutes the correct way. You're supposed to get like a teacher from the school and approved. I've had my husband substitute. <laughs> I swear to God. Is this true? Yes. I've had random friends. I had, oh yeah, yeah. I had like a okay. friend who okay. I went to community college with substitute before so wow. yeah i was not great sometimes i would be late wait it. so these substitutes that you got in did they have at least some sort of like background knowledge in what they were subbing for a hundred percent okay okay good insane ryan <laughs> ryan has been in films he's a filmmaker too he's an artist you know and has done the film festival circuit you know and that's what i was doing i was showing films and having the students talk about it Films that are sometimes difficult to watch Mm. that aren't, you know, just like Marvel movies. You know what I mean? I'm like school of life kind of person, Mm -hmm. you know? Coming up, Atsuko talks about taking her mom and grandma everywhere, including her honeymoon, the grueling preparation for her comedy special on HBO, and what she would tell her younger self today. That's after the break. Stick around. 
Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. I watched your documentary that you posted on YouTube in 2016. Oh, thank you. And this film is about a time when your grandma traveled uh, to Taiwan and you were taking care of your mom, who you've mentioned has schizophrenia. And it was so tender and moving. Mm -hmm. And I think, like, I learned so much about you in that Mm. film. And I really thought to myself, that is a very good Asian daughter and granddaughter. Is that how you saw your responsibility when you thought of your mom or your grandma? Or was it something, like, less complicated, just like love? I wasn't always like this. Mm. Just like I wasn't always sexy. (laughs) I was a teenager. I was embarrassed to be living the way we were. And so I just didn't want to be with mom and grandma. Mm. I mean, I was like going through puberty in a garage with a woman who was going through menopause and psychosis Mm. and seizures. And a garage is not enough space for all of that. And I also developed an eating disorder. It was just a lot that I wanted to run away from. And so there was a period of time where I didn't see my mom and grandma Mm. as much, where I was like, peace, I'm going to UC Riverside. Okay, I dropped out. I kind of told them, and I was like, I'm still going to live in the suburbs and go to community college. Mm -hmm. And I immediately started dating someone like 12 years older than me, entered a seven-year relationship with that person, and... During that time is when I started sort of mending the relationship with my mom and grandma because I think, you know, enough time spent apart and I found arts, Mm. the arts, you know, was a big deal where I was like, oh, I'm the way I am because of my family and, you know, my family actually has suffered a lot Mm -hmm. and, you know, I'm here running away. I get to do the arts now. I get to do comedy. I get to point a camera in people's faces I'm a filmmaker or whatever you know (laughs) and so that's what brought me back to them and go okay now I'm here I'm here because of you guys so I better be here for you all you know there's a thing called parentified children in therapy they talk about how a child grows up feeling like this obligation to take care of their parents and it's common among like immigrant kids Mm mm-hmm I know that, you know, your grandma took good care of you, but she also had language barriers too, right? And so did you ever feel like you were a parentified child? Only emotionally, trying to make them laugh, comforting my mom, you know, with words, with touch, hugs, dancing, but uh, not with, like, actual life skills. They didn't teach me that. I mean, you still live near your mom and your grandma. Um, You know, how do you balance checking in on them and then being on the road for comedy shows and all of that. Yeah, it's a lot. I mean, <laughs> my husband and I are talking about like how to balance that because I have a tendency to go, well, you know, you're so awesome, husband. We love each other. We love my family too, right? <laughs> and, you know, so there was like these big holes in my life where I didn't see them as much or, you know, I have a lot of guilt still mm-hmm. and shame about how we lived. We, I feel like I get to live some cool experiences now 
Right. That's just like I think a lot of immigrant kids yeah. feel that way where it's like the people who came before me, they had to sacrifice a lot. They don't get to live the life I get. To, yeah. They don't get to podcast. They don't get to, <laughs> you know what I mean? They don't fly business or first class. <laughs> and so I have this tendency to want to bring my mom and grandma everywhere. Mm-hmm. That's not healthy, though. You know, <laughs> Like I took them to me and my husband's honeymoon, <laughs> you know, because I was like, no, we get to finally have fun. We were in that garage for so long. Aww. And then when I had a comedy gig in Hawaii, I brought them too. Yeah. No, you're going to stay at the resort and, and come to the comedy show, you know, because we didn't get to when we were kids. But now they're old and, you know, it's a hard balance. Mm. Yeah. My mom never even left the hotel because she's just worse now yeah. with her yeah. mental health stuff. And she gets seizures a few times a week, you know. But, yeah, so it's such a hard balance because the realities always hit and go, maybe you're just meant to honor them by... Just living a better life. I'm getting so sad thinking about it. Because it is, you know. The people before us sacrificed a lot. And they never wanted anything back. Or maybe mm. they do. They go, hey, get great, good grades or something. But, you know, yeah. it is mostly so that you are the one that can be vacationing. You're the one that can be wearing cool headphones <laughs> at WBEZ. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, that's so understandable and relatable. I mean, did they understand sort of like you wanting to take them on vacation and, and go everywhere with them? Do they get what, you know, you're doing there with that? For sure. Yeah. I don't even know if I made enough room for them to tell me if they like it or not. <laughs> like if they even want this, I don't know. Yeah. It's in my heart. I'm just like projecting onto so many people by doing this. Do you ever like tell them that you feel bad about it and they say, no, don't feel bad. Enjoy yourself. Is there any of that conversation? Yeah, a little bit. For the most part, they always go, just enjoy, just mm. enjoy. Don't don't worry about us. No, we don't need to go. Just you do it. I'm like, really? Because I don't know. I don't know when the next time you, we can do this as a family will be. You know, you yeah. always think that. Because then the whole pandemic hit. Yeah. You're like, shoot, things are so like short and temporary. Yes. Well, we love your grandma. I mean, um, I'll tell her. Yes, please tell. <laughs> I love that she is so down to be part of your bits. My grandma and I don't have eyebrows, but with the Goofproof brow pencil and the brow microfilling pen, we can draw on the eyebrows we've always dreamed of. Whoa, grandma, you look surprised. Yes, I'm surprised. I like my eyebrows more natural. Hey y'all. Ooh. Now he is surprised. He does look surprised. I and I feel like in a way it's like groundbreaking to have an Asian grandma bringing people joy on social media. Mm. I mean, your grandma's a trailblazer. That's, that's, that's what it is. We should have her on this yeah. podcast yeah. for sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Just, as, you need an interpreter, though, so well, right. be I better you. come in. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I'll come in. Okay. I mean, was she, like, always down to, like, be part of your bits, or did it take some, like, convincing to get her involved? She always knew I was up to my silliness. And then think uh when i started dancing like in her kitchen and stuff <laughs> she was like hey should i do one too and i was like <laughs> Whoa, okay was I was like, yeah yeah why not she's been a caretaker all her life when we make videos we don't shoot for like hours you know yeah. it's for us it's just like the spirit of the time so it's a fun time we have as a family something silly where we're like dancing towards the camera well we love your grandma we also love Ryan, who's in the other room. 
You call him a second grandma, which is hilarious. Did I do that? Yes. <laughs> I call him a lot of things. Father, sister. father, sister, uh, I guess second grandma. Yeah. Best friend. Yeah. Actually, with this like next question, Ryan, you do you mind coming in for a second? <laughs> Ryan, Ryan, Ryan. <laughs> This is WBEZ. <laughs> this is This American Life. <laughs> so, Ryan, you're in here now with us, and this is very exciting. What did you guys find attractive about each other? Ooh. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so shy. Her, her, her body. <laughs> yeah, mostly physical. Um, no, I remember we, when we first met, we met literally three blocks from where we live now in Silver mm. Lake in Los Angeles area, and uh, she was helping on a film shoot. She was helping produce, and I was helping act in it, so she walked up to me and was like, are you my hipster? And I was like, (laughs) yeah, I hope so. (laughs) And then she proceeded to make a couple jokes, and she was the funniest and cutest thing I'd ever Mm. seen, so then I just followed her around set like a puppy dog. (laughs) Then we, you know, went our separate ways, and two days later she sent me a nude picture on the Internet, and uh, we've been together ever since. (laughs) Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nude. Sin nudes. So that's what drew you initially together, but like, what's attractive now? What's attractive? Probably the same thing that was attractive when we first. So we went out on a date at a bar. We immediately, like, I think we both probably thought we were kind of fresh out of breakups, like both of us, like three months out of seven year relationship. No. Both of us. Oh, wow. We didn't realize at that point both our mothers had schizophrenia. That was going to be discovered three dates later. But immediately we just like hit it off and we just started talking and we kept talking. And when you have a traumatic experience in your life such as that and then someone else has that, there is this weird thing where I'm like I'm a guy who's the son of a preacher in Texas. Mm. She's a a child of immigrants from Taiwan and Japan living in Los Mm -hmm. Angeles. But somehow these two different backgrounds because of that kind of shared trauma, it was like, I know your childhood, mm. mm-hmm. yeah. and you know yeah. mine, and we're speaking the same language. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we were both hot and, and funny. horny. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, horny and funny too. We were also really funny. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but all of that probably because whenever his mom would have like psychotic breaks, it was Ryan that would soothe her. Mm-hmm. So like I mean, the wow. parenting thing yep, you're talking yep, about, yep. at least being there emotionally, right? You you were the one that would sing to your mom, you know, yeah. so that. She would calm down from the voices in her head, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think we both had that in common. Yeah. yeah. Other than the commonalities, Atsuko, what do you love about him? Ryan's very funny. He's very witty. He loves really big. So he'll do anything for people. Uh, sometimes it'll get him in trouble, you know? <laughs> and I am kind of like her grandma. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. But unlike my grandma, like, there's less lies yeah, yeah, yeah. oh yeah yeah okay yeah yeah. yeah yeah that's good for a marriage though yes. no for sure yeah yes. he don't lie to get me to do something like move to a whole ass new place yeah yeah well thank you ryan for popping in and and um telling us about what you love about each other yeah so ryan. ryan that was very sweet so sweet <laughs> the best Well, congratulations again on the HBO comedy special, The Intruder. And in the special, we follow this thread of uh, an intruder who keeps returning to your house. Yeah, my fearless husband, he rushes out. But this time he just goes, hey, what did I say about being here? (laughs) Oh, great. They've conversed. 
just picking up right where they left off, right? As if the guy was going to be like, oh, you said don't. And to, you know, prepare for that special, you did some comedy in Scotland. And I heard that it was a tough crowd um, and people just weren't getting it. And I feel like I would probably cry and give up if I were in that situation. What did you make of all of that? Yeah, I had, oh, I had two mental breakdowns. Mm. And Ryan had to be there for that. And that wasn't fair for him either, I think. Because he was having to like sing to me while I was crying Mm. at night. And I was like, Ryan, you had to do what you were doing for your mom when you were a kid. And we were both like, oh my God, (laughs) this place is toxic. (laughs) I was so bad. I was like begging my team Mm. to pull me out. You know, I had to do 26 days straight in this bunker with no AC. They're like, rising star, Oscar. And I'm just in a bunker performing for like 50 Scottish farmers every day. And it's not a comedy festival. So people might have just come from seeing a tragic play or a ventriloquist. It's like America's Got Talent. You know what I mean? Where it's like, as a stand-up comedian, where you're just using words to make people laugh, your worst nightmare is to go after like a contortionist. Or something. Do you know what I'm saying? Wow. Where people are like, oh my gosh, look at the things. She's... Or if someone eating fire. Oh my <laughs> God. To just be like, hey, so you ever wonder why the sky is blue? You know what I mean? Like, that's what the audience is. And they're all drunk because they drink a ton in the UK. They drink from mm-hmm. 1 p.m. My show is at 6 p.m. They're just plastered. Some mm-hmm. of them are asleep during your show. Oh. And it's like, I'm about to tape this for HBO in a month. So it was intense. Wow. Yeah. Oh my God. You know, it's stuff like that. That When you were asking what took me so long to be sexy, it's like, because natural elements yeah. <laughs> are hard. It, it makes you feel unsexy all the time, right? You have to constantly have remind yourself, no, no, I am funny. I am good at this. Oh, this is a good hour of stand-up or whatever, yeah. you know? Would you go back to Scotland? You know, sometimes you get Stockholm Syndrome. and No, because we were both like, we're never going back. We're never, ever, ever going back to this festival. But um, I don't know. It did actually make my hour stronger at the end. So who knows? If I do go back, I'd do a shorter run. I wouldn't do 26 days in a row Mm. of shows. That's crazy. Well, Atsuko, (laughs) you've gone through a lot of stuff in your life, you know, being undocumented, separated from your father, caring for your mother and grandmother, ups and downs of showbiz. You know, a lot of people would be bitter or give off some sort of air of cynicism or resentment after that. But you have managed to exude genuine joy. How? Where does that come from? Well, you know, so my grandma was a part of the reason for some of the hardship Mm -hmm. by accident because, I mean, she always means well. But something Mm -hmm. she always did was she always made sure that I was protected too much. (laughs) That's why I have no life skills, (laughs) right? Like she didn't want to teach me chores. You know, my mom was against it too. No, no, she can't grow up. She's a kid. Let her do kid stuff, Mm -hmm. you know, and so... Because of that, she was always, like, protecting me a little bit. Mm -hmm. And I think that gave me room to play, meaning try to find joy, even during the traumatic stuff. She made sure that there was a place we can go to once we moved to the States. She already organized that. Mm -hmm. She made sure while we were undocumented that she was entering our names in the visa lottery program for the green card. Every year she was doing that. So, you know... There was some stuff I didn't have to do that forced me to grow up too, too fast. So 
I was able to play and, you know, find levity. Yeah. Well, if you could talk to your younger self, the Otsko living in her uncle's garage, what would you tell her? I would say, uh, <laughs> <laughs> hope you like the long hair because you're going to get a bull cut <laughs> one day. And, oh, I would say, you you are a sexy bitch. <laughs> and you're going to be real funny one day. You are funny now, but you just don't know where to, you know, organize it. Well, um, as we wrap things up, there's a game we like to play called Extra Credit, and it's where we'll ask you random rapid-fire questions. Okay. All right. So here we go. First one. Who is your first Asian celebrity crush? Margaret Cho. What is your <clears throat> favorite dance move? Oh, oh, uh, I love dance hall, so anything dance hall. All right. And what's your comfort food? Uh, microwavable Japanese curry. Mmm, yes. Yeah. Shoes on or off in the house? Actually on. What? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of wild stuff with that too. There's trauma, especially at my mom and grandma's house. We keep our shoes on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Who were you most surprised to see doing the drop challenge? I, I actually liked seeing like just like regular people do it at mm. their jobs. There was a rock splitter. That was his job. I didn't know that was a job. <laughs> Every time he would come down to split a rock in half, <laughs> there were giant rocks too. That's when he would do the job. That was cool. <laughs> What's your go-to karaoke song? Lately, Dear Theodosia from Hamilton. Oh. oh. What's the best prank Grandma has pulled on Ryan? While he needed to go use the restroom, she took his credit card out and uh, paid for the food. <laughs> I saw that on TikTok. <laughs> best prank Ryan has pulled on Grandma. It's also on TikTok. <laughs> I never keep anything sacred. Um, <laughs> while we were going through a car wash, during the blow dryer part, Ryan rolled down just her window. <laughs> uh, what's an Asian snack you'd want to turn into a pair of earrings? Oh my gosh. Oh, that's such a good one. I have a big, huge mochi. Ooh, yeah. So heavy, so heavy, but fashion. <laughs> Rip your ear fashion. fashion. Rip your ear yeah. right off. We've been talking to Atsuko Okatsuka with a special appearance from her husband, Ryan Harper Gray. You can catch Atsuko's comedy special, The Intruder, on HBO, and you can see her live. Check out atsukocomedy.com for tour and ticket info. Atsuko, it was so much fun hanging out with you today. Thanks for stopping by. Thank you for having me. As we chronicle the many people who make up sexy Asian America, we want to hear from you. And to be clear, we're talking about a wide interpretation of sexy. Here's what some of you have shared with us so far. Hi, this is Teresa from San Francisco, and I would love to see you interview Henry Golding, who I think is a really sexy Asian. He manages to be very attractive and still seem really kind and sweet inside. So who's a sexy Asian we should have on the show next and why? Record yourself. Email us a voice memo, although we welcome regular emails, at shoesoff at wbez.org. We want all the tips. Shoes Off is a production of WBEZ Chicago. This episode was produced by Esther Yoonji Kang, Stephanie Kim, and me, Susie Ahn. Our executive producer is Brendan Banizek. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to like and subscribe. And leave us a five-star rating. It'll help us reach more people and bring you more conversations with sexy Asians. We'll see you next time. 
stay sexy. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Thanks for listening to the news live on WBEZ and NPR. The WBEZ stream sounds great in the kitchen on your smart speaker and anywhere on the WBEZ app. Listen every day.